Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we're going to talk about the, man, we got a lot to talk about. Austin, Texas Police Department says they are no longer responding to burglary calls where the suspect has already left the crime scene. Man, this is some serious stuff now. So, you know, look, people, you know, the police are not coming. Uh, the, the police have been defunded in major cities around the country. So you might want to get a gun and defend yourself. You know, you might want to learn the gun laws in the state where you live and find out when can you use a gun? You know, when can you legally shoot someone? You need to find that out. And then I suggest you defend yourself because the police are not coming. For example, in Texas, if you know, in, if you're in Texas and someone has is committing aggravated kidnapping, murder, sexual assault, aggravated sexual assault, robbery, aggravated robbery. You can use force, a deadly force, and you can stop them. If someone is actually breaking into your home, they're committing burglary. Uh, they're committing robbery. Uh, they're committing criminal mischief during the nighttime. Uh, uh, they're committing certain types of crimes. You got to know what those laws are. You got to know. And then you can use force, deadly force, to stop them. All right, so... The Austin sworn police officers will stop responding in person to non-emergency calls starting next week amid severe staffing shortages in the department. So under this policy, collisions with no injury or burglaries no longer in progress or where the suspect has left would not warrant a 911 call. So don't even bother calling. So if the suspect's already gone. You know, they're not coming, so don't even bother. Uh, it's not going to warrant a 911 call. Got, call 311, fill out a report, and have a nice day. Thank you for, you know, thank you for being a citizen in in this, in this Austin city limits. Uh, let me tell you, you know, this is crazy. 
you know, Austin residents in these situations and others like it will have to call 311. An APD spokesperson told, uh, told a lot of the news agencies that although a sworn police officer might not respond to a non-emergency call, they could be in instances, you know, you know they're going to talk to a civilian. That's what they're going to do. Such as crime scene technicians respond to a scene to take evidence. You know what? That's probably not going to happen either. We had a gun store. We had a, a break-in attempt in the gun store. A gun store break-in attempt on June 1st of 2020. And you know what happened? When the first responding officer showed up, the guys were gone. And that was it. No one else showed up. No, there was no cr- no crime scene technician showed up. No investigator. No, no, no one else showed up after that. Just the initial 911 call. And that was it. There was no follow-up. No one cared. And that was a gun store breaking attempt. So I'm telling you right now, if you think for one second that the that the police are going to respond because someone's breaking into your car, someone's breaking into your house, people wake up and smell the coffee. They're not they're not showing up. They're not going to show up when someone breaks into a gun store. So they're definitely not going to show up when someone tries to break into your house, your car, still your, you know, your Amazon package. You know what? You need to defend yourself. It's, start, it's time to start camping out outside. I suggest you hang in the tree and let's start getting these guys. That's right. I'm, I'm all for it. You think we should bring back the rooftop Koreans? Huh? Absolutely. 100%. Bring back the rooftop Koreans. It's time to sit on the roof of your house. It's time to camp out outside. You know, get your dogs. Do whatever you need to do. Get your cameras. Let's start whooping some butt. You know, what? when I see these 15, 16 years old, I'm getting my belt. I'm going to start beating some kids. Yeah, so for anybody who doesn't uh, know what the rooftop Koreans were, they were shop owners during the L.A. riots who actually sat up on the roof with rifles protecting their businesses. And, and let me tell you, even last night in Austin, there was a shooting. You know, last night you had downtown Austin, you know, right around, it was like the Arch. Oh, right? the Arch. The yeah, Austin yeah, Resource yeah. Resource Center for the Homeless, right? Yeah, the Homeless Shelter. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was a shooting down there, and the police showed up really quick. It was real quick. They were like there within like, I want to say like, man, like 10 seconds. It was real fast. Yeah, real quick. It was 10 seconds. They were not even too far away. They threw their lights on. They rolled over there. Those guys were already gone. They just fired shots. And, and these guys don't even care. They don't care who they're aiming at. They don't care, you know, their marksmanship sucks. They don't care how they're holding the gun. They're just like firing shots back at whoever in that general direction. And you, if you happen to be there, you're going to get shot. You know, people always tell me, they're like, Michael, you know, um, I don't care my gun because I'm not going into bad areas and bad neighborhoods and stuff like that. So I'm not going to carry my gun. Well, you know what? It's not about you being in a bad area. It's not about you going to a bad neighborhood. If you happen to be in a place where someone wants to attack someone else and you happen to be there in the way, you're going to get shot. It's time for you to defend yourself and protect your your family. Yeah, the police are incrementally stopping responding to uh, progressively more and more severe crimes, right? Yeah. I remember the Dallas DA a couple of years ago, I think it was about two years ago, they said that they would stop responding to any shoplifting crimes that were less than $750. Oh, yeah. And And now they're not going to even respond to burglary calls when someone breaks into your home. No, not even. They're not. I'm telling you, people, they're not responding to gun store break-ins. 
If they're not going to, if they're, they don't care about a gun store break in, they don't care about you. The Austin Police Association president, Ken Cassidy, said that APD has gone nearly two years without a police academy and does not have enough patrol officers to respond to non emergency calls. He says, you know, probably about 90, 95% of the time, their shifts don't meet minimum staffing. And that is the reason they started cutting back on what types of calls and you know, they're going to answer. So it's not optional. It's not providing a quality of service to the community, Cassie says. What he says is, but the community also needs to understand that we're under a dire, dire staffing crisis. They're on, we're under an emergency here. So guess what, people? When you call 911, if you're in Austin, you're in the sound of my voice. You're driving on I-35. You're sitting on Mopac. You know, if you know something happens and you try to call 911, the police are not coming. It's up to you to protect yourself and protect your family. You know, don't call 311. You know, let them know what's going on. You know, if the guys have gone away, they're not going to show up to you. So that's that's the fact of it. So I suggest you learn what the laws are in your state. Learn when you can use force and daily force. Learn when you can shoot someone. Learn where you can and cannot take that that firearm, that handgun, long gun, or whatever it is. Learn. You need to learn proficiency. Learn how to hold the gun properly. Learn how to you know look at your front sight, your rear sight. Learn how to make sure you have those thumbs on the same side of the gun. You don't have that thumb on the slide of the gun. You're not going to cut yourself. You got to learn all those laws. Learn everything, the proficiency, the laws. And then also learn, you got to learn how to calm those situations down as well. We got to learn conflict resolution. Yeah, I'll teach everybody how to handle that gun. That's right. And Sunday Zach, mornings. And Zach will show you. Mm-hmm. Come on and see us. Zach going to show you how to hold that gun. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Austin's Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. That's right. You're taking a look at a video of a shooting that took place this morning, early this morning, late last night, downtown Austin, Texas, outside the homeless shelter. These people, they weren't even really aiming, didn't hit anyone. They were just shooting, just randomly shooting, you know, at anyone in the in the area. You're in the way you if you just happen to be there, you would have gotten shot. Luckily, I don't think anyone was, you know, shot or wounded. Not sure. Not seeing any reports or anything. All right, I'm not seeing any reports at all. No one was wounded. No one shot. But it's randomly shooting, randomly shooting in the air. This is similar to what happened, you know, downtown Austin when you had 14 people that were injured by teenagers, 17-year-olds that were just randomly shooting at each other and just end up shooting, you know, innocent people. You know, same situation. You know, it just it just happens all the time. You know, we got to get a handle on this stuff. We need city city council. You got to get your you got to get your act together. You know, either we need to elect other we need to get rid of the city council that we have right now because they're just not getting the message. You know, wake up, Austin, smell the coffee. This situation is getting worse. Hi, Austin Mayor Steve Adler. You got a minute. It's getting out of hand. It's getting out of control. You got to get it together. All right. Also, a federal court vacates gun rights. So basically, a U.S. appeals court on Wednesday threw out a previous ruling it had made that found that a ban on gun buyers under 21 to be unconstitutional. The Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that its previously ruling in July was now moot because the two plaintiffs in the case had recently turned 21. I'm going to tell you the good and bad about that. You know, so basically, Judge Julius Richardson said vacating the ruling uh, he had previously authored would, you know, serve the public interest as it would make way for further litigation in the future. The federal judge said both the public and legal communities would benefit from this action as the exchange of ideas between the panel and dissent would remain available as a persuasive source. So in July, the court had ruled the 21 minimum age requirement to purchase a gun was unconstitutional. Looking through the historical lens, the text and structure of the Constitution reveals that 18 to 20 year olds have Second Amendment rights. You know why, people? Because 
you know what? You have rights to all your constitutional rights if you're 18, 19, or 20. So why in the world would you say um, at 18, 19, or 20, you don't have the right to the Second Amendment, but you have your rights to all the other amendments if you're 18, 19, or 20? It makes – it's common sense. If I'm 18, I have the right to the first. I have the right to the third. I have the right to the fourth. I have the right to the fifth. But you're saying because I'm 18, I don't have a right to the second. There's no age. No, that doesn't work that way. That's not how our, our forefathers frame this constitution. So if you're 18, 19, or 20, you have a right also to the second. It makes sense. That's the good side of it. The bad side of it is this. If I'm 18 years old and I bring this case to court, guess what? By the time I get up to the court that's going to make the decision, the, the appeals court of the Supreme Court, I'm already 21. That's the bad side. I've, I've, I've had to wait like three, four years to make it up the, the channels to get to the other courts. That's the bad side of this. So we're always going to be in this loop. <laughs> and the reason that the appeals court, you know, went back and reversed it because they said, hey, it's a mute point now because you're 21. It's mute. When you, if I go ahead, if I, if my ruling stands, it goes to the Supreme Court. They're going to throw it out because you're already 21. It's a mute point. So you're all, we're always going to be in this position. That's what sucks. What if a 16 year old brought this to court? Yeah, that someone's got to start young. You got to start young. Got to be a kid, and kids generally don't think about this kind of thing. So it'll just be a perpetual thing that's in limbo, huh? Yeah. Hey, we're gonna, oh, man, I tell you, it oh, drives me nuts. And I'm not going to blow, blow a blood vessel, though. I'm going to keep calm. Yeah, keep your heart on the on the calm. I'm right taking now, my blood right? pressure medicine. <laughs> okay, good. All right, so the middle, <laughs> while noting that uh, weighty interest in reducing crime and violence, Richardson said that, and this is the judge, said that the court would not regulate either the Second Amendment or eight, you know, for 18 to 20-year-olds to a second-class status. You know, so... You know, we'll see, you know, what happens. Maybe someone else will bring something else, you know, forward for this. What do you think? Uh, don't now, hold your breath. All right. Now, here's the best. This is the best story of the week right here. You ready for this one? This is, oh, okay, this is the best. This is a bus driver shortage led a group of 11th graders to ride a party bus with a stripper pole. Yeah, boys. <laughs> Let me tell you, I need to go back to high school and middle school. Let me tell you. So basically, what happened was the school district ran shortage of buses. So they had to rent buses. And the buses that they rented were party buses that had a stripper pole. <laughs> Boy, y'all, you going to wow. learn. <laughs> yeah, there was a kid in Colorado that was 12, and he kayaked to school because there was a bus driver shortage. <laughs> Let me tell you, I need to be a high schooler. Let me tell you, because I'm like, coming to the stage is Monique. <laughs> Monique with Cargill? Here comes Tiffany. Tiffany to the main stage. Tiffany, let me tell you. Oh, oh my. As we're pulling up into the driveway of the school and coming to the pole, we got Karen. Karen, come on up to the pole, Karen. Well, I tell you, I need to be in high school. This is crazy. You know, and I, and I get it. You know, there's a shortage of everything. There's a shortage of employees, you know, because some people just don't want to work right now. 
there's a shortage of uh, parts and pieces, so they can't make the buses. You know, they make the move buses. They can't make the. I think we're having a shortage of chips for the cars. You know, and you know it. And people are losing their minds because when they're going to the store or going to the the car dealership, you know, to buy this stuff or to the gun store, they're like, "Why in the world? Why? Why is there this shortage?" I'm like, "Where have you been for the last year and six months? Are you on crack?" You know, stupid or something. They are. They're people. People are really stupid because literally, you know, countries shut down for six months. The majority of our products that we have in this country are made from other countries. So that means that if that country shut down for six months, they stayed at home. They weren't making anything. Guess what, people? You know, nothing's being made. Yeah. And there are ports in California that normally before COVID had zero to one. Uh, Big tankers with shipping containers yep. waiting to come dock to go through customs. And now they have about 50 ships just waiting in the harbor that can't come in because there's no room and not enough employees to check them out to get them through customs. And I literally spend the most of my day massaging egos, tickling, you know, you know, stuff and you know you know and, 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 and you know it's just it's just you know blowing through other stuff, you know, just to get people to uh-huh. understand that. <laughs> that you know chill relax it's gonna be okay we're gonna get your product your product's coming in okay it's gonna be fine i'm gonna get your gun we're gonna get your other stuff but if you yell at me if you say why is my gun why why is my gun if you yell at me for a gun you're not getting a gun you're gonna get a condom from central texas gun is what you're gonna get you're not getting a gun (laughs) (laughs) when you say that well, there's that meme. <laughs> <laughs> what meme is that? With those monkeys, and it says, uh, when you get the update that your gun will be arriving between 12 o'clock and 3 p.m. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Calling the gun store at 12.01. Where my gun? Oh, my goodness. That drives me nuts, too. It's like, oh, we, there's a process. You know, we there's so much on the front end when a gun comes in. You have to lock, you have to open it up. Do you know that we have guns that show up with rounds in the chamber? So we have to check every single gun to make sure there's no bullet in the freaking gun. Could you imagine, you know, you're standing at the gun counter and you open up your gun case and because you're an idiot, you pull the trigger, you know, you know, and you shoot someone or yourself. I'm going to get in trouble. So we have to take there's a process. We have to slow down and say, okay, let's check every single gun. Let's make sure there's it's empty. It's unloaded. Let's check the serial number. Let's make sure there's no damage on it. And then let's type it into a system. We have to type everything in the manufacturer, the, you know, the model, the caliber, the serial number, you know, all that front end work. And it takes time. And we, you know, there's gun stores that get 50, their gun stores get 100 guns a day, and it takes time to process all this stuff. So, you know, people just get all excited. Settle down. Calm down. We're going to get your stuff. My goodness. Get me all excited. You know what? I get upset. Calm down. I'm calm. Calm But I'm calm. We come back from the break. We're going to talk about, I need to talk about punishments. You know, what happens when you get your, if you're going to carry a handgun without a license and you're, you know, you walk into a business, what's the punishment for that? You know, what's the punishment if you go into uh, City Hall and, you're, and there's an open meeting and you carry your handgun? What's the punishment for that? What's the punishment for, you know, walk into a restaurant and there's a sign posted? What's the punishment for that? We're going to talk about with that with, with Evan Walker at Texas and U.S. Law Shield. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. 
Hi, this is Stephen Williford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Philadelphia police are searching for a woman who pulled the gun out of her purse while standing in a line at a Chipotle in northeast Philadelphia. So police say it happened on the 2300 block of Cotman Avenue over the weekend. According to investigators, the woman you see there was told to order online due to staffing shortages and that the register was closed. But instead of pulling out her phone to order, she pulled out a gun instead. A worker decided to make that woman's order after it was made. She took off without pain. If you have any information on who that woman is, you're urged to contact police. Oh my goodness, let me tell you. I don't know if I, if, if I would actually eat food from someone who's fixing it under duress. <laughs> I'm just, let me just put it out there. You know what I'm saying? If you're making, you know, this idiot, okay, this is what happens when you don't take a class, you don't learn conflict resolution, you don't go to a freaking therapist and learn how to calm the freak down. You know, you need to relax every now and then. It's not that serious. It's not about you. You know, this restaurant, Chipotle, you know, they were short employees. So they're like, okay, we're still going to keep working. We're short employees. So we're going to close down the, the, you know, inside restaurant, we're just going to take online orders and we'll still start, we'll still continue to process stuff. This lady was like, you know what? No, you're going to make my food. And now, as a matter of fact, hold on a second. And she pulls out a gun to make sure they made her food and they made her food. And then she left without pain. Are you crazy? What in the world's wrong with you people? You know what? I don't even know what to say to that. There's no. Have you seen the the movie Waiting? Oh yeah. Okay. First of all, okay, I've seen that movie, and there's no way I'm always nice to the wait staff. You know, I'm always nice to my waiter, my server, the bus boy. I don't care who comes by the table. The maitre d at the door. I'm like, hey, how you doing? God loves you. I do too. You know, before you know, I'm just I'm nice to everyone because I want to make sure there's nothing in any in my food at all. Well, Michael, there's a difference between. You know, going to a restaurant in Chipotle. Chipotle, you can see everything they're doing right in front of you. At a restaurant, they go to the back, 
make the food and bring it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 I've worked at Wendy's. <laughs> okay, I'm telling you right you now. You worked at Wendy's? I've, when I was a teenager, I worked at Wendy's. And I let did me, not know that. That's right. And let me tell oh, wow. you something. If you said something or did something to me, boy, let me tell you. We, yeah, we got you. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. You got a surprise when you made it home. I'm I, telling you now. I worked at a skating rink as a teenager. And, and you know uh, you did something. Yes, you know you did. I did a few Right in front there. of them. No, not right in front of them. But be, people don't even realize. They don't pay attention. I'm telling you, you blink, you turn away, you look at your cell phone. Most people are looking at their cell phone most of the time. Let me tell you. Oh, you're getting something by the time, oh, yeah, before you walk away from the counter. Yeah, one time my music teacher came to the skate rink that I worked at, <laughs> and I, ooh, this guy, he got me in trouble a few times. So when I went back and got his skates. You loosened up those screws, didn't you? I'm not going <laughs> to say what I did. But let's just say Allegedly. he should have been nicer to me in class. So he okay. he learned that day. <laughs> I don't even know if he knew. Problem. Oh my goodness! So speaking of doing stuff we're not supposed to do, let's talk about punishments and what happens when we do do things uh, we're not supposed to do. Let me preface by saying that I am now Alleg- an adult. Allegedly, okay? I'm not a child like I was before. <laughs> I'm much more mature now. Okay. Back then, you were a minor, huh? Allegedly. There's no proof of this. So let's talk about punishments. Let me bring into the conversation Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Show. Edwin, welcome to Come and Talk It, sir. Hey, Mike. It's always good to be with you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I want to talk about punishments for a little bit because, you know, a constitutional carry has gone into effect and everyone's all excited. They're like, yeah, you know what? September 1st has passed. I can carry a gun. I don't need a class. I don't need a license. You know what? And I'm just like, hey. When can you, where can you have the handgun? Where can you not have the handgun? What's going to happen if you carry a gun? You're not supposed to carry it there. You know, what about use of force and deadly force? When can you use the gun? When can you shoot someone? And they're like, um, um, I don't know. And I said, well, you might want to come to class and learn because you know what? You, your class may be court ordered. So let's talk a little bit about the punishments. Let's start at 4603, Edwin, you know, because everything is in 4603 now for prohibited places. Well, for prohibited places, you're correct, which kind of, uh, you know, obviously the major difference in 4603, the, the like the really stark difference uh, that exists, which is actually something that I wanted to ask you about, is, you know, how did the Austin City Council react when you came strolling in with your open carried handgun? Well, you know what? They, uh, they haven't had a meeting where I've gone in yet, but I'm going. I'm coming. Austin <laughs> City Council, you're on notice and I'm coming. Michael Cargill in the red shirt is going to open carry his handgun in your open meeting in city council. I'm coming. So get ready. And and there's nothing they can do about it. Not a doggone thing. Not a doggone thing. Yeah. So, and, and you know, whenever you're talking about punishment, obviously that is the, when you're looking at disparity, that is the big one. Now, I know there's not a lot of people who like to go to city council meetings or, uh, county commissioner meetings or zoning meetings. Uh, keep in mind, I would never ever carry at a school board meeting uh, because those are still going to be covered by the school prohibition. Uh, so you don't want to risk that. Uh, but your other types of open governmental meetings, uh, the person who's just merely constitutional carrying, uh, he gets caught, he gets charged with a felony, you know, felony, just straight up. That's the way it is. Uh, but the individual has a license, doesn't get charged at all, can't be excluded, can't be told to cover up his gun, can't be told to take his gun back to the, the, the car. Uh, he has a right, you know, he or she has a right to carry there. And so that's obviously the big one. And, you know, you kind of wonder 
how that happened in the legislative process, and it, and it did. Uh, but and what's going to be very very interesting, and I'm surprised that we haven't seen it yet. Maybe we will with this newest special session. Um, you know, this includes committee meetings, and so what if there's somebody who wants a constitutional carry into a committee meeting? Um, yeah, I don't I don't believe they can. I believe that that is one of those open meetings where. Uh, the license holders, you know, license holder gets to carry in the meeting just like they always have been. It's, but it's, the constitutional carry would be forbidden. It's funny you say that because you you know what you're right, but guess what they're doing? They have a special entrance now. You if you go through the west entrance of the Capitol, and I went there with the Dallas Morning News. You know, I went to the west entrance during session. You know, I went there a couple times. And I go through the the west entrance, which if you're if you're coming from Congress Avenue, it's going to be that entrance to the left, that left side of the building. There's a that entrance only is for light for people who are carrying without a license. You go through that right, entrance. For the, right. For the entrance into the entire Capitol. But what right. I'm specifically talking about are the committee meetings mm. down in the uh, down in the executive suites, you know. Uh, so are those places, you know, is there going to be a DPS trooper there waiting to catch somebody constitutional carrying, you know, whenever they want to actually go into the committee meeting, right. you know, into the meeting of the, uh, you know, the public safety committee. I'm going to check, check know, that out this week. So this week I'll do that. I'll go in this week and I'll leave my LTC at home and, and see how they're dealing with that, what they're doing for that. So we'll, I'll report well, back to you. Yeah, and also uh, keep in mind one of the benefits, you know, one of the things that LTC holders need to remember or, well, I guess specifically constitutional carriers need to remember in terms of you probably should go ahead and get your LTC mm -hmm. uh, is this duality that you have. And so with an LTC, you kind of get to take advantage of situations where, you know, does it look like in this situation it would be advantageous to be a constitutional carrier, which are very, very few, uh, and in which situation would they be able to uh, be able to, to carry with a license, which, you know, um, just talk a little bit about the criminal trespass mm. angle of it. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Just talk about the little criminal trespass angle of it. A, um, a, a person who constitutional carries into a business, you know, let's say, let's just say a convenience store, since that's what everybody seems to think about, carry into a convenience store. They don't have a 30-06 sign. They don't have a 30-07 sign, but they have their no trespassing uh, uh, sign, which would constitute notice, uh, no no weapons, uh, which constitutes notice under 30.05, or let's say they go ahead and go full bore and have an official 30.05 sign, um, which is suggested but not required. Uh, the person who goes in without a license, um, they, you know, it's class C, uh, but then it becomes a class A if they're given personal notice and refuse to leave. But the license to carry holder still is entitled to the 30 out six notice, which can constitute, uh, you know, verbal notice, obviously. Uh, but they, if given verbal notice, let's say that two people walk into the convenience store, one has a license, one does not have a license. The clerk, they're both friends, they walk in, the clerk you know, gives them both notice at the same time. The person without notice still can be charged with the Class C. The person with the, uh, the per I mean, the person without the license can still be charged with Class C. The person with the license has a defense. They will not be charged with the Class C as long as they leave immediately. Mm. And so there's a situation where constitutional carrier gets class C, gets class A if he doesn't leave, licensed carry holder 
does not get a Class C, but obviously still would get a Class A in the event that he too refused to leave, which obviously just as a general principle for all your listeners out there, uh, if you are given notice, never, never argue, never debate, don't try to reason with them or say, you know, don't, don't, don't take your little bit of legal knowledge and say, oh, well, you didn't do this and this and this. Verbal notice trumps everything. It, it just does. It trumps everything in the world. You can't argue. You can't talk about signs. You can't talk about philosophies. Uh, the law requires you to leave immediately. Now, what so, about, let's talk about alcohol a little bit. You know, over on what used to be 46035, that's now become part of 4603. You know, when it comes to alcohol, Let's talk about a little bit about, you know, being intoxicated, because if you have a license and you're intoxicated, that's one thing. But if you don't have a license and you're intoxicated, that's something else. What is that all about? Well, that's because they moved the intoxication part to 4602. And so 4602 applies to everyone who is not a licensed to carry holder. So all of the rules that are talked about in 4602, all the prohibitions uh, are applied to non-license holders because they did not revise 46.15B6 at all. I mean, they, 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 it still exists. And so what 46.15B6 says, it just very clearly says 4602. So that means any crime under 4602 does not apply to someone who is a license holder. And so anything that constitutes a crime under 4602 doesn't apply to a license holder. Uh, so that that's a biggie. And so, actually, that's one, that's one where we, you know, and, and and it's kind of interesting because one of the one of the situations where we actually had to go to court and argue that the non the non applicability statute prohibited a person being charged uh, was a couple of times, or actually several times, with the criminal street gang stuff. Uh, the police would arrest somebody, charge them under 4602 with being a member of a criminal street gang and having a handgun. Uh, they would produce their license. The police were like, well, that's, it's still a crime. It's still a crime. And then, of course, the prosecutors have to realize, no, it's not. Uh, and it's very interesting because whenever they moved that particular crime from 4602 to 4604A-1, uh, they included that still as a defense um, to the, for the so the license holders. Keep in mind, really, the only thing the license holder can now violate, be in violation of, is of course you know criminal trespass thirty out six, criminal trespass thirty out seven, and forty six oh three, which are the prohibited places. So a lot of the other crimes, they've kind of been you know very. It'll be interesting when people start to realize that. All right. We come back from the break. I want to talk about high schools, colleges, professional sporting events. I want to talk about correctional facilities. I want to talk about, you know, I want to get into bars a little bit more. You know, what signs are, exist, what signs don't exist. I want to talk about that. And and also, Edwin, I want to ask you about this house. The U.S. House passed a red flag con gun confiscation bill uh, for ex-military members. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, the House passes a red flag gun confiscation bill for ex-military members. We come back from the break. We'll talk about that and more. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill.
1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking about punishments. I'm going to talk about the punishment of the new gun laws for the state of Texas. So anything that was under 4603 is still going to be a felony. So if you go into a school, educational institution, and you're not supposed to, that's a felony. Any activity sponsored by the school, that's a felony. Um, if you are in a polling location, you go to, you know, you want to go to, uh, what's that grocery store? Not H-E-B. Um, Randall's. You go to Randall's and it's election day early voting. You carry your gun. That's a felony. You want to go to a government court office utilized by the court. That's a felony. Racetrack, felony. Secured area of the airport, felony. And that's the most the most places that where I get students from who take my firearm safety course, not the LTC course, the firearm safety course, are students that actually went and took their gun to the checkpoint at the airport. Do you know that? Every single week I get students in my class take a firearm safety course that have gone to the security area of the airport and they have to take a court-ordered firearm safety course. My class? Your class. Every single week you have a student in they your class. They never admit to that. Oh, no. Every uh -uh. single week. I lie to you not. And that, is, and that is also one of the major differences is that the uh, licensed carry holders still benefit from the oopsie. <laughs> What's the oopsie? The oopsie that they uh, before they're arrested, they have to be given an opportunity to leave the area. And that is some that is a that is a, a benefit exclusive to license holders that is not available to constitutional carriers. So you mean, Edwin, if I have my license to carry handgun and I go through the checkpoint of the airport in Texas and I say, you know, they say, hey, you have a gun in your bag. I can say, oops, my bad. Yes, that's right. And as long as you don't, as long as you act, I guess, you know, humbled and you uh, don't pitch fit and you don't say, you know, oh, you caught me. I wanted to, I, I was just testing y'all out. Um, <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't give any kind of uh, incriminating information like that. As long as you go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I forgot. Uh, then the police have to allow you to take that gun out of the security area of the airport and uh, take it away, and you won't be charged. But, what, now, but Edwin, uh, what if I'm carrying under Texas constitutional carry law? Now nah, you'll be arrested, and you'll wind up in your class. <laughs> oh, it becomes a felony then, huh? That's right. Oh. And as part of, now, now there again, you know that you go back to. So, if a lot of people don't remember the way that this used to work, which we believe me, we defended many, many people on this same situation, is that this is a crime of intent, and so. The uh, the purpose of the law is to get people who intentionally try to carry uh, handguns through secure parts of the airport. And so a factual defense, it was not a legal defense, which means that it wasn't, you know, it's not a defense published in the book, but it's a factual defense, is that you could always say, oh, it was not my intent. I forgot. I did not know that my gun was in the bag. And then in order to generally the way these, you know, you either would try to work out something about, hey, we'll do a mea culpa, we'll take a class, we'll get our license, whatever. Um and then, uh, you know, or it was you would just go straight to the grand jury and you would have your guy testify at the grand jury. And he would have to testify, look, I didn't know. I forgot. It was not, a, you know, and, and if the prosecutor, if the grand jury then felt that they could not 
meet that element, because keep in mind, they have to have evidence of each and every element of a crime. And if they thought that there was no evidence of intent, uh, then they generally would not indict and the case would be no build. Uh, but obviously it was, it was costly to people. It was stressful to people. Uh, they didn't want to take that chance. Um, and then of course, uh, several years later, they came up with the oopsie defense, um, which kind of short-circuited a lot of that. And it, it because keep in mind that prior to constitutional carry, only licensed to carry holders could have brought their, uh, you know, could have been carrying their gun around in a bag anyway. And so that still, um, when the legislature revised the law, they, they specifically made a choice to keep the oopsie defense with uh, license holders only, not for constitutional carriers. Now, when it, you know, and remember, I told, I, I said earlier in the broadcast that the Austin Police Department is not responding to non-emergency calls. But, you know, on October the 1st in Austin, Texas, you know, they're going to start this no refusal weekend. That means that if you're intoxicated, you know, well, that means the officer gets behind you and it looks like, you know, you've had too much to drink. They pull you over. They're going to take your blood. You know, they got a judge sitting there just going to sign some paperwork. They're just going to take your blood immediately in Austin. That's going to start October the 1st. and It's going to go to the end of the year. So with that in mind, you know, if you're carrying under Texas constitutional carry law, you don't have a license and you're carrying a handgun. Edwin, how does that work? I'm in my I'm in a vehicle. OK, so I'm in a vehicle. I don't have a license. How does that work? Well, they're they're carrying while intoxicated. Mm. Uh, and also, um, you know, they're. Uh, uh, so they're they're going to be charged with two offenses, DWI and 4602. Mm. Okay. Whereas the license holder, I believe, can only be charged with the DWI now. So 0.08. So the license holder is 0.08. If they're carrying a handgun, unlicensed, zero is the limit. You cannot be intoxicated. Well, it's it goes back to the old other. The, the keep in mind that when we're talking about intoxication, there's actually two definitions. Okay. Uh, well, technically three. So you can be intoxicated by either having a blood alcohol level of 0.08 or greater, uh, which a lot of people call that the per se level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you have to fight that based upon the fact that the machine was wrong. They waited too much time. They somehow contaminated the sample, things like that. So there is still defenses. Uh, there is chances to fight it, even though they call it the per se amount. And then the other is a more subjective standard, and that's called uh, that somebody has lost the normal use of their mental faculties or they've lost the normal use of their physical faculties. So they can prove either one. They could show where you were, you had 100% of your physical faculties, but you were mentally zonked out and then you're intoxicated, or you could prove the opposite, that you had a, you know, you're 100% of your mental faculties but you could not stand up straight uh, and lost your physical faculties. That, that can so, be driving or walking? Well, walking is actually a PI. Okay. Um, okay. You know, if you're, if you're out in a public place and you're walking, you could be charged with PI, okay. uh, which is public intoxication, which, keep in mind, any intoxication offense is going to be judged under the, uh, under the standard of 40, uh, 4901, the definition of intoxication, which did kind of complicate things uh, whenever, you know, you think about, they did keep the intoxication gun charge in the gun chapter, 
it, in my opinion, it would have made a lot more sense to move it to the intoxication chapter. Uh, that's where we have all the intoxication crimes, including, uh, you know, boating while intoxication, uh, boating while intoxicated, uh, uh, building amusement equipment uh, while intoxicated, uh, all sorts of things. But they didn't with the gun. But keep in mind, because carrying while intoxicated was an offense under 46035, 46035 no longer exists. That crime got moved to 4602. All right. So as a carrying on the Texas Constitutional Carry Law, you cannot be intoxicated. As a light as a license holder, you know, depending on where you where you are, I want to make sure I understand that. You can be point oh eight. Right. Well, yeah. It's uh it's basically it's that's one of the weird things that that moving it did was that they did not create a similar license holder intoxicated. Because like I said, license holders by virtue of 46.15 B6 are uh, the, the entirety of 4602 does not apply to them. All right. And just so you know, intoxicated means not having the normal use of mental or physical faculties by reason of the introduction of alcohol, a controlled substance, a drug, a dangerous drug, a combination of two or more of those substances or any other substances into the body. And then it says, or, or 0.08. Correct. And, and, you know, alcohol is the only one that they've ever quantified in the statute. So they've never taken the time to say how much marijuana would make you intoxicated or how much Valium would take, make you intoxicated or how much Xanax or how much of any other, uh, both legal or illegal drug. Uh, alcohol is the only one that has been that uh, quantification. So, in the event that somebody is intoxicated through the smoking of marijuana and they were like, I smell you got marijuana all over you and they take your blood and they take right. your THC, uh, there's no set amount that's right. ever been we, statutorily determined. So they would have to do the subject. All right. We study. come back from the break. We're going to talk about the red fact logs and the war. The Second Amendment continues. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Breitbart News. And you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. And a, in two vehicles, two trucks came flying by us at a high rate of speed. Russell King was heading home from getting food with his wife, Myra, when he says he saw two pickups that appeared to be racing behind them. One exited the highway, the other ended up right in front of them. And I visibly see him look in his mirror, shake his head like this, and that's when he brake checked me. Brake checked, slammed on his brakes with King right behind. Yes, it was very deliberate. He says he thought it was road rage, and the other driver started to chase him, even onto this Walmart parking lot. And that's where I saw him giving me the finger. Concerned for his safety, King says he tried to speed away back into traffic, but the other driver kept coming. And he was pushing a car over, and he was going into oncoming traffic and made a bus swerve. King says he did notice some flashing lights in the grill of the pickup, but didn't think anything of it at the time. It didn't seem to be very, very official. I'd never seen a police vehicle that was a gray Chevrolet truck. The Kings say they thought they finally lost him, got home, backed into their garage, 
and immediately called 911. He just told me to just go inside the house, go into the, um, the closet and talk to the 911 operator. A few minutes later, the same man in that same pickup pulled up in front of their house. King says he watched on his live camera system as the man pulled something out of the back. It appeared to be a gun. And then approached the house and knocked loudly. I, I've never been so scared in my life. I, I, I really felt as, as if he were there to harm my wife and I. And I yelled, please go away. We've called 911. The camera captures what happened next. King says he shot through the door. The man was hit in the shoulder and ran. Fort Worth police quickly arrived and took King and his wife into custody. It was then handcuffed in the back of a squad car. King says he was shocked to learn the truth. He told me, you've shot a state trooper. And my response was, how? The trooper, later identified as William Wallace, was a special agent assigned to criminal investigations and worked in plain clothes. There was no identification whatsoever. There was no vest. There was no badge. Just a brown shirt and jeans. The doorbell video shows Wallace shouted police when he knocked on the door. King says he never heard that. King was never arrested, but worried he would be any day. We were planning practically for me going to prison and what it would do to our lives. Then, about two weeks ago, a grand jury heard his case and declined to charge him with a single crime. The most relief I've ever felt in my entire life. The King spoke to us with their lawyer, Robert Hoosman, by their side. Now, they say, they just want to get on with their lives. Yes, I do want to forget about it, but every time someone asks me, I don't like, because it's, it's stuck in my head. I'm, I'm so confused. I, well, I wish it never would have happened. King has a clean criminal record. If he had only known it was a police officer in that pickup, he says he would have simply pulled over right away, avoiding the entire ordeal. We reached out to the Texas Department of Public Safety this morning asking about the trooper's status and whether he's facing any discipline. This evening, DPS told us it's working on a response but hasn't provided it yet. We'll let you know what they say when we get it. We also filed an open right, so record check this, you know, So basically what happened was uh, this guy's driving along with his wife in, you know, in the Fort Worth area and, a, you know, a group of vehicles, you know, pulled into the, the highway there at a high rate of speed. And so this they, one vehicle gets in front of this this family, and the vehicle brake checks the family, and so they end up it ends up it turns into like a road rage thing where the guy the family pulls into the Walmart parking lot, you know, to try to get away from the vehicle. And the vehicle chases this guy through the Walmart parking lot, you know, he tries to get away, he can't get away. Eventually, he thought he got away. He makes it to his house, backs into his garage. And the vehicle pulls up, and it happened to be a plainclothes DPS trooper who's working, you know, like, you know, in plain clothes as a detective. And so the trooper walks up to the, you know, to the door. The guy didn't know this was a trooper. He knows a police officer. Walks up to the door, and, you know, he's like, get away. You know, this guy, the family's afraid. This, this person has followed them home now. They're outside their front door. Fires around through the front door, shoots this trooper in the shoulder. And trooper backs up, runs away, and police show up, arrest the family inside the home, and eventually, you know, now the DA has said, you know what, they've been no build. You know, you didn't do anything wrong, you know, because, you know, your home is your castle. You have a right to be there. And so, man, that's an interesting case, you know, Edwin, you know, man, what do you think about that? Well, I can't believe that the trooper didn't have some sort of 
epiphany at some point as to why he was chasing these people. I mean, that it really, I mean, just hearing, you know, that version of the story, which I read the story previously uh, this week, um, you kind of wonder about his judgment. First of all, why he would take it out on people on the roadway um, and then the whole flipping them off, chasing them through the parking lot. I mean, you would think at some point he would say, look, nothing good is going to come of this. And I really would, I would have loved to have seen what would have happened. Let's say that he doesn't get shot, but what on earth he possibly could have done to these folks uh, if they would have answered the door and said, yeah, who are you? Well, I'm a policeman. <laughs> well, so what? Right. You know, I can't believe you've chased us down. Um, it's anyway, not like he, it's not like he can come in the house. No. Uh, and why he didn't call if he thought that something had been done, like some form of reckless driving or something like that. Why he didn't call a marked trooper unit, uh, because because the tr- police officers can exchange information that establishes reasonable suspicion and probable cause that if one police officer sees something, relays that information to another. So he clearly could have got on the radio and said, hey, I, I believe these people are reckless driving or they're dangerous. You know, get me a marked unit to pull them over. Well, he did that when I, he got shot. Well, yeah, after he got <laughs> shot. Um, so but I really don't see where, where his there's some sort of disconnect. I don't know whether he has anger management problems or he needs to go back to decision making school or what. But. It seems like all the bad decisions that were made here were made by the trooper, which, of course, I think is borne out by the fact, uh, even more so, that the grand jury, um, which the grand jury, for folks who may not know, uh, that is a group of citizens that the prosecutors tell, uh, basically tell felonies to. And the thing is, is that the defense doesn't have a right to present anything to the grand jury. The prosecutor is totally in control of what the in, the information the grand jury hears. The grand jury can go, you know, go around the prosecutor and request information themselves. They can question the prosecution about what they've presented. But by and large, you know, the prosecutor generally gets what he wants. Um, you know, and Tarrant County is a fairly conservative county. Um, and so for them to basically find that this was all brought on by the state trooper, uh, you know, that says a lot about what they heard. And it also says a lot, fortunately, about the independence of the grand jury and mm. the fact that they weren't going to just rubber stamp something that the state trooper said was true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about this house, uh, the U.S. House passed a red flag gun confiscation bill for ex-military members. So, um, you know, there's a the military court would be able to issue a protective order which would make the owning of a firearm by an ex-military member illegal. So a provision in the 2022 National Defense Authorization Act would allow military courts to issue protective orders that include red flag gun confiscation according to the more than 1,300-page bill. In this legislation... Those beholden to the United States Code of Military Justice could be issued a military court protective order by a military judge or magistrate, which would make possessing, receiving, or otherwise accessing, uh, accessing sorry, a firearm illegally. A military court protective order issued on an ex parte basis shall restrain a person from possessing, receiving, or otherwise 
uh, accessing a firearm and a military court protective order issued by after that person to be subject to the order has received notice and opportunity to be heard on the order shall restrain such person from possessing, receiving, or otherwise accessing a firearm in accordance with the Section 922. You know, what are your thoughts on this, Edwin? Well, um, you kept saying that it applied to former members of the military. Right. Where, I mean, do they specifically say that? Is this something through the VA hospital? You know, don't know. Yeah. So, because because that would be the part that would surprise me. Um, the thing about it is, is that because you're not in the military anymore, so how can you be beholden to the you know uniform court of military justice? Correct. So, so the thing about it is, is that it sounds like it is just simply uh, the fact that they've now given the court of mili- the, uh, uh, the the court of military uh, justice uh, the authority to issue protective orders, just like civil courts can. And so, civil courts. This has always been the law. Um, in which this is this is actually this exists here in the state of Texas that yeah if you're if you actually are subject to a protective order you can go to court and actually here in Texas we have a very onerous uh, part of the law which is which is actually quite disturbing and I would love to see changed and I and we have a particular court in Harris County that is very abusive and that is the fact that in some circumstances. Uh, this court can issue lifetime protective orders. Normally, a protective order only lasts two years, uh, but there is a provision of the uh, of Texas law that allows them to issue lifetime protective orders, which means that the person is prohibited uh, by uh, prohibited for the rest of their life from possessing uh, from possessing firearms. Uh, it's very disturbing. It's not very well known. We would love to see that change. But it seems like this is just bringing the military authorities in line with what the civil authorities already possess. So now the part that you say applies to ex-military, that is the part that I would be very concerned about uh, because that truly would be in the nature of what we think about these expanded red flag laws. Let's say that it was happening through the VA. And so obviously somebody who goes to the VA uh, generally is a former member of the military. They're no longer subject to the military courts. You get a VA doctor to say, hey, I think this guy is a little crazy. Um, and then the doctor could go to the court, uh, go to the courts and get the military courts and get a uh, get a uh, what would truly be a red flag protective order. That is the uh, <clears throat> the taking away of somebody's ability to have a firearm in the absence of of them actually committing any kind of act of family violence just based upon the word of, I think this person has mental issues uh, without being adjudicated mentally incompetent, without being adjudicated as having committed a crime of family violence, uh, and then issue an order to take that away. So that's definitely something I'd have to look into. Yeah. And then um, uh, U.S. Rep. uh, from North Carolina released a statement, uh, uh, Representative Greg Murphy basically says, fortunately, both Republican and Democrat leadership have publicly assured Congress that this egregious language will be removed from the final version of the NDAA. While I support the overall defense legislation as a vital pillar of eastern North Carolina's defense footprint and look forward to its passage, I will work tirelessly within conference to ensure that law-abiding veterans' Second Amendment rights are protected from unlawful federal overreach. So. Yeah, and 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 believe me, that that is if it does involve you know discharge veterans, 
people who are not, because obviously if you're active military, you're going to be subject to the code of military justice. So that that's that's a given. So yeah, it's trying to expand the reach of what the military can do. And the, the only way that I could see that they could try to exert that authority is by basically, you know, give and take, saying, well, if you choose to partake from the benefits of the VA, then, you know, this is the sort of uh, sort of Damocles that you have to accept. Uh, because, you know, as a, as a former member of the military, um, you don't have to go to the VA for your medical treatment. You just do it because that's part of your benefits from having given military service. And so I could see where the government would try to make that argument to say, look, if you voluntarily uh, take part of our benefits, then you are now subjecting yourself to being under the authority of uh, continued jurisdiction of the Court of Military Justice. And I do not see where that would be. I do not see where that would be uh, constitutional or, you know, that, that that definitely would not be good policy, at least. Now, a driver was stabbed and killed on a school bus with students aboard. So we'll talk about that later in the hour. Um, also, we come back, want to talk with Edwin Walker about the punishments for high school, college uh, or professional sporting events, correction facilities and also hospitals, amusement parks and civil commitment, you know, with and without a license. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Talk 1370, the right choice. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking with Evan Walker. He's a principal attorney with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. We're talking about punishments for with a license or without a license. So, Edwin, I want to ask you about high school, collegiate, or professional sporting events. You know, what is the punishment if I don't have a license? I'm carrying a Texas constitutional carry law, and I happen to be at a high school, collegiate, or professional sporting event. Well, the collegiate sporting event is uh, very unique in that, uh, the, that that is an area where the license holders and the non-license holders are treated differently. Uh, because being that it happens on a college campus, uh, license holders are still given certain privileges to carry into the buildings and at uh, sporting events for college events. And so they're still entitled to be uh, given uh, given notice under 30.06 that they can't carry their, uh, carry their handguns into collegiate sporting events. And so uh, high school events, interscholastic events, and uh, professional sporting events, uh, there, is, there is a category of, <clears throat> pardon me, class A misdemeanors. Uh, so not every crime under 4603 is a felony. Some of them are class uh, class A misdemeanors. And so uh, that falls into that category. All right. So when it comes to like schools and professional sporting events, that's going to be, what is it, a class A? Well, s- school sporting events. School not, sp- um, right, school sporting events. Sorry. Correct. Correct. Going into going into still going into schools will still be a felony. Correct. All right. And then um, and so without so for, so so let's with, say for so let's say, for example, um, they had a uh, high school game at um, Cowboy Stadium. Okay, and so gotcha. Cowboy Stadium, not a generally prohibited place, but they got a high school game going there. It becomes um, a class A. 
Correct. It, it focuses more on the event rather than the particular place. Okay, gotcha. All right, because then it gets in. It was at that sporting events at a school. That's that's a felony if it's at a school. Right. Okay, it's gotcha. still a yeah because yeah. the school and that's a, that's a little bit of a conflict that they that they've written. Um, and there still exists a certain amount of conflicts. Um, you know, the parts about uh, college campuses. That is that that's that's where we really get most a lot of our questions about um, as if there's a lot of people going to college campuses. Uh, so uh, the the constitutional carrier and the license to carry holder are treated differently, and it, it is somewhat confusing. And you kind of actually have to chart it out, and that actually presents kind of a benefit where. You benefit from being a constitutional carrier whenever you're in the sidewalks, walkways, and uh, and uh, streets. Okay. Uh, whereas obviously you are at a extreme detriment uh, wanting to go into a college building because constitutional carriers would not be allowed to do that. So if I'm I'm an unlicensed to carry handgun holder, and I'm going, I can go into the building of a college campus as long as they have a third out of six sign. That's a public institution like UT. Uh, as long as they have a third out of six sign, I have a license. I can carry my handgun concealed in the building. Correct. But as a someone is carrying under Texas constitutional carry law, I cannot carry in the building. But let me ask you this: as a person who's carrying under Texas constitutional carry law, can I openly carry my handgun outside the building? You know, yeah, we've looked at this, and um, you know, we've looked at it, we mapped it out, and the thing about it is, is that I think you can. Because the prohibition, keep in mind, you have to look at the general prohibition. That general prohibition is located in Texas Penal Code 4603A1, which says that you cannot uh, carry on the premises of a school or the grounds. And there you would look at the definition of premises. Premises specifically excludes streets, walkways, uh, sidewalks, etc., parking lots. uh, Specifically excludes that, so you're not committing a crime. But then you go and you look at A-2, which is the part that says, which which says licensed carry holders can carry into buildings. Well, they, back whenever they made the constitutional carry, they go, oh, we don't want licensed holders carrying anywhere openly on the college campus. And so they wrote in there, oh, you can come, you can still carry, uh, but you cannot carry uh, openly. And keep in mind, this was in the days where people obviously were prohibited. If you didn't have a license, you were violating 4602 because you're unlawful carry. Right. You had a license, you were not violating that, but you had to be uh, concealed carry. That was carried over into the new law, but what they either intentionally or unintentionally overlooked was that the general prohibition still uses the word premises. It did not create an additional uh, crime or additional carve out for sidewalks, walkways. And so, in theory, what I believe an individual can do, now also keep in mind that a college or university still has the right to put up a 30 out 5 sign. So, in the event that they put up a 30.05 sign at the entrance to their parking lot, Mm. they are saying, we don't want your constitutional carry in our parking lot. And that would then put somebody only under their license and so they would then be under that prohibition about concealed carrying. Uh, but let's assume that you pull into a UT parking lot, you don't see any sign that says weapons prohibited, no carry, nothing like that. You get out of your car and your gun is open, then you just say, oh, I'm a constitutional carrier. 
And you can be a constitutional carrier and walk around with your open gun, constitutional carry, all the way up to the door, put your shirt over your handgun, go into the library, and now you're a licensed holder. So that's what I mean, that you are you have a duality. So you take advantage of the situations where it's beneficial constitutional carry, but then you also take advantage of situations where it benefits you to have a license. Just because you have a license doesn't mean you lose your right to constitutional carry when it may benefit you. All right, then real quick, Edwin, we've got like 30 seconds. What about correction facilities, hospitals, amusement parks, and civil commitment? You know, what's the punishment Those- for that for without a license? Right. Those are all class C's. As, I mean, class C's. Those are all class A's as well. Those are misdemeanors. Those are not felonies. Okay. And so, uh, but there are several of those, like the amusement park and the hospitals and their rooms, where as a license holder, uh, you are entitled to that notice uh, once again, because that's a right you had under the old 46035. Legislature wanted to make sure you kept that right. And so those folks, you know, license holders are allowed there uh, to be given that, uh, to be given that notice. Man, thank you, Edwin Walker. I appreciate you, sir, from coming on the show and, and letting us know the punishment. I really appreciate that, sir. Yes, sir. Anytime. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your, your weekend. And thank you. All right. And so in Washington State, a driver was stabbed, killed on a school bus with students aboard. So a school bus driver was stabbed after he had picked up students from a Washington State elementary school and died of his injuries at a hospital, police said. You know, we need to let everyone carry a handgun, whether you're a bus driver, whether you're a teacher. We need to let them carry to protect the students. Got to protect the babies. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 